And you're very welcome to the 30th iteration of the Hot Box. And thanks to all of those who've talked to me about number 29, which was celebrating the International Jazz Day. And we tried to celebrate that as internationally as we could. Uh, well, now we're at Hot Box number 30, and we're probably more orientated towards America again. But I'm glad to say there's an Irish icon among this jazz fraternity. Alas, he's no longer with us, but his music still is. Um, that's all because we're back to our regular series rummaging through the files of piano players throughout the history of jazz, and we've reached the file labelled the letter K. Relative to our uh, last piano outing, it's quite democratic, really, with no huge personalities dominating the category, as was the case with the letter J, if you think back. Keith Jarrett, uh, Hank Jones, Ahmed Jamal. Well, this time around, we have Wynton Kelly, Roger Kellaway, Steve Kuhn, Jeff Kieser... And right here we have, uh, from Dublin, the late, great Noel Keelehan. Probably his finest album was titled Ozone, and this is a piece from it. I'll call the band at the end, but meantime, ten minutes of pure joy with Noel's arrangement of the Irish traditional tune, Castle of Dromore. Thank you. 
And what a fine piece that was, uh, recorded there. A pianist filed under the letter K, the late Noel Keelahan, sadly missed by everyone in the jazz world in Ireland. I had the pleasure of uh, being produced at RTE by Noel for several years, which was always great fun. But it's probable, I think, that um, his huge talent as a jazz musician was insufficiently recognised. Um, that was a piece from his quintet album called Ozone, and it featured Mike Nolan on the trumpet there. I hope you took note of that blazing horn player, and a, a man who died much too young, uh, Mike Nolan. Keith Donald, who's happily still with us on the tenor saxophone, Frank Hess, and of course the great John Wadham on drums. Well, Steve Kuhn uh, turned 80 this year and has had an illustrious career playing with many of the greater names, starting with Coleman Hawkins, going right through to John Coltrane, Ornette Coleman and Stan Getz. Um, he's a native New Yorker, had, had a particular following in Europe, perhaps as a result of the some years he, he based himself in Sweden. In his early years, he was certainly known as part of the avant-garde. But as, as jazz has moved on, he now seems almost mainstream when you listen to his material. In 2009, he made a, a beautiful recording that recalled his extended residency with John Coltrane at New York's Jazz Gallery, which he felt marked a, the high point in his musical life. Uh, for the recording, he assembled Joe Lovano, David Fink and Joey Barron, and it's all so good I've had real trouble just selecting one track to play. In the end, I chose the Coltrane composition, Like Sonny.
Steve Coon's trio, David Fink on the double bass, Joey Barron on the drums, with the addition of Joe Lovano's tenor saxophone. Marvellous stuff. Um, like Sonny was the piece, and it comes from the ECM album, which is called Mostly Coltrane, very original title, um, and a great album it is throughout. It was released nine years ago. Well, uh, the K-File also includes a lot of music by Frank Kimbra, uh, a native, I think, of North Carolina who's been in New York for many years. He's been Maria Schneider's first call pianist for her big band for many years and would, I guess, be characterised as modern post-bop. He claims many influences, from Monk to Jarrett, from Bill Evans to Cecil Taylor. It's been recorded in both solo and trio form over the years. Again, very hard for me to pick a track, but I've chosen the 2011 live recording made at the Kitano in New York City. This is an early Kimbra composition dusted down for that session, and as he puts it, we have some fun with it. It's called Falling Waltz. Thank you. 
Falling Walls there from uh, Frank Kimbrough's trio. Frank Kimbrough with Jay Anderson uh, on the bass and Matt Wilson on the drums. Recorded live at the Kitano in July 2011 in New York City. Released on the Palmetto label. Uh, we may never have mentioned the Kitano before on Hotbox. It might be worth quoting Frank directly from the liner notes of the album. Um, he says, The Kitano occupies a special place in the hearts of music lovers in New York City. It's a place where music is respected, where people come to immerse themselves in the intimacy that the club provides. Audience members can hear the breathing of the musicians on the bandstand. They're that close. The audience feels us and we feel them. So I'm very grateful for every opportunity to play there. Yes, you, you kind of get that from the recording, don't you? If you're listening carefully, you'd certainly feel the atmosphere there. Perhaps it's a perfect jazz club. In the dim distant past, there was another club in New York, and it was called The Half Note. And we're going to go right there, right now. They say you can assess someone by looking at the company they keep, and if that's true, then Winton Kelly, the pianist, has to be right up there, graduating through Dizzy Gillespie's bands, then Miles Davis's great units of the 1950s, and of course, a lot of time with Wes Montgomery. I've picked a piece from one of those albums that really everyone should possess. It's called Smokin' at the Half Note, Winton Kelly's trio with the addition of Wes Montgomery. The trio was Paul Chambers and Jimmy Cobb, both, of course, from the great Davis bands of the era. Sadly, perhaps, Kelly never really made it on his own as a leader. He was always seen as the greatest, but always a sideman. He suffered, alas, from epilepsy, and unfortunately he didn't live long enough to correct that impression. He died of a seizure when he was only 39 years old. This is a Wes Montgomery composition. Uh, it really showcases both the composer himself and Winton Kelly. Four on six. <laughs> Thank you. 
six from 1965 and that piece was most likely and almost certainly a studio recording edited into the recordings uh, made at the half note a little earlier no matter timeless recording and a nice blues drenched solo there from Winton Kelly as an aside uh, Winton Marsalis was named after him so great a fan was Marsalis senior Mr Ellis Marsalis a fine pianist himself and we'll get to the letter M quite soon right now we're still in the letter K
I don't think any recording engineer today would accept a piano like that. No matter, the message came across. Roger Kellaway was the name of that pianist. I confess to being a little bit surprised to find out that he's still alive and kicking. I'd so- he seems to have disappeared. I'd somehow uh, assumed him to be much older than his actual 78 years. He seems to have always been part of my jazz listening life. Once again, his CV reads a bit like a catalogue of the greats he played and recorded with the likes of Herbie Mann, Diane Shore, Carmen McRae, Oliver Nelson, Sonny Rollins, Lalo Schifrin. He's also done a lot of film and TV work over the years. A genuinely swinging pianist with lashings of technique. Um, this is That was from his uh, first album as a leader back in 1963. Uh, he was uh, teamed up on some of the tracks there with uh, Jim Hall and Steve Swallow, so very good company indeed. The piece... Uh, which he wrote himself, was called Black Wall Tunnel Blues. I beg your pardon, he didn't write it himself. It was written by someone called C. Sonastine, whoever he was. This is Michael Kanan. Thank you. 
Clean Playing by Michael Canaan. He was last in Dublin, I think, as musical director and pianist for the singer Jimmy Scott. That would be a good 15 years ago at least. He comes from a quite different place, uh, certainly very different from Roger Kellaway, very different from Winston Kelly, uh, different really from all the pianists under the letter K. Um, uh, in a single sentence, I suppose you could say he was a student of the late Lenny Tristano and the Tristano aesthetic, which is absolutely not blues-based, uh, certainly rubbed off on him. That piece was a really delightful composition by another Tristano disciple, Sal Mosca. Uh, actually, Michael Cannon studied with Sal Mosca as well. It was called a family song. Ben Street was on the bass and Tim Pleasant was the drummer. Well, Kenny Kirkland is another pianist filed under the letter K. He died far, far too young, aged only 43, widely regarded as one of the finest pianists of his generation. We're going to hear him in the company of Branford Marsalis, but he really made his name with another Marsalis brother, Winton, who we mentioned earlier. He joined his band in 1980, and he was regarded as uh, the finest accompanist, perhaps, that Winton ever had. His work with uh, the brothers Marsalis massively broadened his experience, and Winton made no bones about his displeasure when Kirkland left him to join the rock band of Sting, play rock music. Eventually, Kirkland grew... uh, tired of touring and opted to be a session musician joining the Tonight Show band under the direction of Branford Marsalis. He died back in 1998. This recording was made six years before that. Uh, It's a remarkable illustration of musicians playing different time signatures at the same time. It's called Stretto from the Ghetto. Robert Hurst was the bass player and Jeff Tain Watts the drummer. Thank you. 
That's the recording engineer fading that. Uh, Me, not guilty, I'm afraid. Now then, that was uh, Stretto from the Ghetto, performed there by Robert Hurst on the bass, Jeff Watts on the drums, Kenny Kirkland we were illustrating under the letter K, Kenny Kirkland, a fine piano player, and his leader was Branford Marsalis. Well, Jeff Keezer hails from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, maybe not regarded as one of the hottest hotbeds of jazz talent, but he certainly possesses talent in abundance. He's 48 years of age now. Uh, He's had two Grammy Awards. Um, He still looks like a teenager. Indeed, I first saw him uh, live in a very late session in Bradley's Bar in New York, and I really thought that he was a teenager, but perhaps he was, uh, because he joined the Jazz Messengers when he was just 19. He has many good recordings out. I've uh, chosen one more or less at random. Uh, He's one of those artists who is now unhooked from the major labels and doing the crowdfunding thing. Uh, This is Wayne Shorter's Footprints. Uh, It's from the album Zero One, released back in 1999.
the ridiculously talented Jeff Keys with Footprints there. I said he'd got two Grammys. I should have said he got two Grammy nominations. One of them was for a fine Latin jazz album called O Rea back in 2009. I also said he joined Art Blakey at age 19. I misjudged him. It was 18. Anyway, you may have seen him in Dublin as part of the Ray Brown trio back in the day. Jeff Keezer. Uh, one more pianist filed under the letter K in my files anyway, uh, David Kikoski. If you've come across him, it was likely to be in the context of the Mingus Big Band, but he's also done sideman duty with drummers Roy Haynes and Billy Hart, among many other leaders. I've always liked his playing, and I've picked a piece with uh, James Jenis, his own trio, James Jenis on the bass and Jeff Tain Watts on the drums from back in 2001. Muito a Vontade is the title.
Suito a Vontande from Dave Kikoski's album Surf's Up, which is on the Criss Cross label. Yes, he does actually play Surf's Up, uh, the Beach Boys song, and very, very fine it is too. I thought we might end um, with a return to our old friend Noel Keelan and a gentle piece. Um, well, I don't need to introduce it really. Thank you. 
My Foolish Heart, there, played by the late Noel Keelahan, and he closes our file of pianists listed under the letter K. The letter L will be on display in about four weeks' time, but meantime we'll close the lid on hotbox number 30 and get ready for episode 31, which will be mostly, uh, if not all, completely new material. For now, though, if you have been, thanks for listening. <laughs>